Hello, Facebook Live. Hello, uh, Law of Attraction Change My Life group. We have a change in plan today. Uh, Louis D'Souza, <coughs> excuse me, Louis D'Souza contacted me this morning to say he has a an illness in the family and is unable to join us and do the podcast that we were originally planning to do. So we can't do the the, the podcast we're planning for this week about uh, Jinshin Jitsu uh, and Law of Attraction. But I'm going to start the podcast anyway. And... Uh, Okay, we're started, and uh, I'm going to turn this into, uh, well, we can make it like an open discussion kind of a thing. Um, I've put a link in the uh, in the description for this uh, for this podcast post uh, to the Blue Jeans platform that Louie and I and the other co-hosts use in order to talk to each other and to talk to you guys in case anyone wants to connect and talk with me directly. Otherwise, uh, I would invite you to post whatever questions you may have about the law of attraction in the group, and um, I'll try to address them. I, I'm not going to try to address Jinshin Jitsu issues because it's still really new to me, too. Um, Louis is definitely more the expert than I am. I, I've actually uh, ordered a copy uh, from the li- local library uh, of the book on on the subject that is like the the defining book, and so I'm I'm still in the learning process about that, so I can't really answer those questions yet. Um, I hope to become expert at it, and if my cat here will let me, <laughs> we'll be able to continue this. But um, uh, so I, I can't really answer those kinds of questions. But I'm happy to address anything else that you guys want to address. So. Um, <laughs> Harmony wants to be on the show. This is my cat, Harmony, <laughs> and she likes to be the center of attention. Come here. Come on. Yeah, I know. You can come down here. It's okay. <laughs> Cats are great. They're fun. Um, trying to think what I could be uh, talking about. Oh, well, yeah, Shireen already has a question. How to defeat self negative self-talk and uplift your mind when you are feeling low or depressed? Good question. Very good question. That's actually one that I had to address uh, directly myself. Uh, last spring for the first time, um, one of my co-hosts, Cindy Chavez, who did the uh, podcast with me yesterday, the special event that we did on Neville Goddard, told me about something that uh, Jack Canfield, who, of course, was the creator of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series of books and one of the presenters in the movie The Secret, uh, Jack Canfield posted about this concept known as mirror exercises. And mirror exercises, I'll, I'll actually, I, let me see if I can find a, a link to it. I can usually find that pretty quick. Um, but mirror exercises are actually a wonderful way to retrain your mind so that, yeah, here we go, so that um, you end up not having as much negative, self, negative self-talk. In fact, I found that by, here, I'm going to post it for you here, Shereen. Give me just a second. I found that by doing it for a 30-day period recommended by around day 20, the negative self-talk had become more like a whisper, and by day 30, it had disappeared entirely. And really, the only mistake I made, let's see, did it, did it go in here? Oh, here we go. Um, really, the only mistake I made is that I stopped. I, I did it for like 45 days, and then I stopped doing it. So, you know, go figure. You know, you have something good going, and then you stop. Um, but even though I stopped, I still go back to it occasionally. And most of the time, the negative self-talk hasn't come back. Occasionally, it's still there. But it's not like it was originally. It's it's a whole lot better and a whole lot less intrusive in my life. So that would be my first thing to recommend. And, and the reason that the mirror exercises work so well is that they really help us to basically love and appreciate ourselves more and, and give ourselves, you know, cut ourselves a break because we, we can be really rough on ourselves as human beings. I mean, really, we're so self-critical. We, we, we just, you know, we beat each other up and beat ourselves up especially. And and the purpose of the mirror exercises is, is to get us to, you know, say nice things to ourselves about ourselves, look into our own eyes as we're doing it. Um, I'll, I'll often start off by just looking into my own eyes and say, I love you all as I'm looking in the mirror, which was really hard to do the first day. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's not easy to do the first day. The first day, I think my session lasted five seconds. I said, okay, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> but uh, I, I persisted. I stuck with it. And I, I, would, I would say things like, um, you know, yesterday um, you had a really good day. You, you had two great podcasts and and people were, were reacting. People were showing up. Congratulations. You did it. You got it. You had a good turnout. You had a lot of people uh, involved and, and uh, interacting and so forth. Or, um, you know, we went out for uh, to get groceries. You know, a simple thing like going to get groceries, right? 
well, we got the groceries and everything went so well. We got a parking spot right up front and we were in and out and we went to the checkout line. There was nobody there ahead of us. Other lines were full. We got right out. I'm, you know, you do things like that and you say, congratulations. You, you attracted all this really good stuff into your life or congratulations on, on the, the wonderful party you went to or congratulations on how you managed to not blow up at your coworker, but instead to turn it into something positive. You, you find all these different things to talk about to yourself, looking in the mirror, looking in your own eyes. And if you do that every single day, your self-esteem improves dramatically. Because that's really what's at the root of this, right? When, you, when you're not feeling it, when, you, when, you're, when you're feeling uh, bad, that, that negative self-talk is, is essentially saying to you, I don't feel good. I don't feel good about myself. I don't feel good about what's going on in my life. And here are all the reasons why you should continue, Walt, and not feel good about what's going on in your life. So... If you turn it around and you start doing things like mirror exercises to change the programming, the negative self-talk goes away because you can't hold both a negative and a positive in your mind at the same time. And that's the beauty of it. So that's my recommendation. Now, there are a lot of ways you can go about getting rid of negative self-talk. Ultimately, what you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to feel better about yourself and replace negative with positive. But if you find you get to be a challenge, stick with, do, do and stick with the mirror exercises. Every morning or every evening, Cabfield recommends doing it in the evening. I did it in the morning. Um, but uh, stick with it for like 30 full days. Do it every single day without fail. And you may not notice anything for 10 days. You may not notice anything for 15 days, maybe not even 20 days. I didn't notice anything until after 20 days. And even then, it was, it was slight. But by 30 days, it was gone. So give it a shot, okay? Thank you for the question, too. And let's see. Who else is... Uh, Oh, Hannah's here. Hi. Hi. How you doing, Hannah and Kimberly? Hello, Kimberly. How you all doing? Let me see what we got going here. Um, well, no other questions going on, but uh, <clears throat> just to reiterate, Louie couldn't make it for this morning's podcast, and uh, uh, I'm not enough of an expert on Jinshin Jitsu in order to address the question myself. I, I'm still learning it. I have... The same level of intrigue that you guys have um, as you've been listening to us through the podcast. Louis has a family member who's ill, and so that's why he's unable to join us today. So I figured, well, we'll try to do this uh, more open mic approach today. And if, if uh, anybody wants to join me on the uh, platform, I posted a link in the description for where you're viewing this video. Um, so you can join in and, and participate and, you know, be a part of it. And we'd love to have you. I'd love to have you join in. So, you know, feel free to join in because uh, I think you'll find it's it's fun to do. But even if you just want to post a question or post a statement or a comment or something that's uh, of interest to you, like, you know, what's going on in your life? Or is there an issue with uh, trying to be a deliberate creator that you're wrestling with? You know, I'll be happy to share my own experience and, and give you some ideas that might be helpful to you. And, uh, you know, feel free to uh, give it a shot and tell us what's going on. Uh, let's see. What else we have going on here? Uh, well, you guys are kind of quiet today. Not a whole lot there so far. Let me try. Actually, I may be missing some. Sometimes Facebook um, doesn't give me the full um, the full view of what's going on with the comments. So I have to do a little refresh. So let's, let's just see if anybody's posting anything here. Um, nope, nothing really new. Um, well, let's see. What else can I talk about that might be of interest? Um, we'd had a really good uh, conversation yesterday. Cindy Chavez and I did a Neville Goddard Q&A that was very well attended. Um, we had a lot of people tuning in live, a lot of people you know, flitting in and out and so forth. A lot of questions asked after we got past the initial part of, uh, oh, geez, you know, uh, is it okay to ask a question here? Well, finally, people got the idea about 15 minutes before the end of the podcast, but we got some questions answered, so, so that was good. Oh, Hannah's got something. She says, I'm trying to manifest a move from where I'm living to another country. What is the best way to go about that? Well, that sounds like fun. Um, <clears throat> I guess my first question, Hannah, is why do you want to move? And I don't mean that uh, in a way that says there's something wrong with you. I mean, what are the reasons why you want to move? There's got to be some excitement there, right? Otherwise, you wouldn't want to move. There's got to be some reason. And, and I presume there's a particular country you have in mind. So what's the country? And What's exciting about that place for you? What does it have that attracts you, that, that makes you interested, that makes you want to, you know, find out more about it and, and maybe be a part of that culture and, and, and assimilate into that society? 
that's where you want to start, right? Because that's where you, you already have what uh, Abraham calls the rocket of desire, right? I mean, you, that that's where this came from. He said, I have this desire to move to another country. Okay, good. Well, explore that a little bit. Because a rocket of desire, as Abraham calls it, is really an expression of there's something I don't like that I want to change to something I do like, right? I mean, that's why we have these rockets. And in this case... There's something about either where you want to go to that you like better or, or where you are right now that you don't like as much or some combination of the two. So that's the motivation that got the whole thing started. Now you want to kind of flip it around and express it in terms of why do I want to be in the new place? What, what is it about the new country that I, that I want to go to that I like so much? So, for instance, I live here in the U.S. Let's say I wanted to move to London, Okay. Um, well, if I wanted to move to London, why would I want to move there? Well, I mean, there's a whole lot of uh, culture there that's directly in my family background. My my background is largely English. So it would be a way to get back to my roots. And maybe I might be interested in, in finding out about what's it like to live in the country of my roots. Maybe that's part of my motivation. Or maybe uh, London has, uh, let's see, well, let's see, I, I don't really, maybe uh, I want to find out whether or not the, uh, the the stereotype is true because the stereotype of the UK is that it rains all the time. But uh, Louis and a couple others have informed me, no, it only rains 10% of the time or less. So maybe I just want to find out if that's true. I mean, I'm being silly here. But the point is, I'm focusing on what it is that I like about London in order to help uh, attract London into my life. So um, I think the same thing applies for you too. What? Why do you want to move to that country? What's exciting you about it? Because... It's like Neville Goddard says, you want to assume the feeling of the wish fulfilled. So that means you want to put yourself into an imagined place of having whatever it is that you're trying to attract come true. And when you are in that place, then you can basically create a little scene that, that is your celebration or your, your your experience of what happens immediately after you get there. So if it's being attracted, uh, you know, finding a way to get to uh, uh, moving to another country, learning how to attract that, you want to visualize what happens the first day that you arrive in the new country? Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm flying to the UK, right, in my imagination. So I land at Heathrow Airport. What's that like? You know, I land at the airport and, the, and there's a sign that says, welcome to London, welcome to the UK or something like that. And I imagine that. And that that's all I really have to do is imagine that and then combine it with the feeling of, wow, I actually made it. I actually got here. And if you combine those two things together and then just play that vignette over and over again, you're going to end up in London. So, or wherever it is that you want to go. I mean, you fill in the blank. You know, obviously, I don't know what country you want to move to, but whatever that country is, think positively about it. That's the secret. Uh, let's see. What else do we have going here? Oh, she's, oh, well, Hannah's saying she wants to move from Trinidad to Canada. Okay. Good. So, start about Canada. <clears throat> Excuse me. What is it that you love about Canada? Um, I've been to Canada a few times and, um, I can think of a couple things that I really like about Canada. One, Montreal. Oh, what a wonderful city that is. I mean, I'm not really a city person, so I don't really want to live in a city. But if I want to visualize something about Canada that I really love, Montreal would be one of the first things that I would do, particularly the French Quarter, you know, the, the, the inner part of the city. Um, because, I mean, the culture there, the restaurants that are there, the... You know the the things to do, the museums, the, uh, uh, the, the just the cultural life. It's just full of life there, and uh, that you know, that would be a wonderful thing to visualize. Toronto, also a beautiful city, and uh, Toronto is, is in many ways what I might call a modern city, in that it has a lot of modernized structures and uh, it has a very clean feel to it. It, uh, at least it did when I was last there. And I have to admit, I haven't been in either Toronto or Montreal in a few decades. But from what I remember when I was there, Toronto was just a gorgeous city to be in. And maybe you're not wanting to move to Canada for the cities. Maybe you're looking at the, the more suburban or rural areas. Well, same deal. Why do you want to move there? What's, what's exciting you about Canada? You know, whatever it is, that's what you need to turn into your little mental vignette and just keep playing that over and over head, over and over again, getting really, really excited about it. And, and don't do it with any sense of expectation of, oh, this has got to happen or, um, geez, I wonder how it's going to happen or when it's going to happen because all that's going to do is put up resistance. Just enjoy the vignette. Live the vignette. Let's just like play it over and over and over again in your mind. And if you keep doing that, um, Neville recommends doing it just before you go to sleep each night. And that does have an advantage because 
if you do it just before you go to sleep, you basically influence your dreams. Your dreams are more likely to include it. So you're, you're, you're enhancing the effect, so to speak. But whenever you do it, just do it every day. Um, do it throughout the day, you know, periodically throughout the day. Wow, I'd really love if, it, if I go to Canada. And uh, by the way, I'm, I'm interested that you come from Trinidad because um, my sister-in-law grew up in Trinidad and, and is from Trinidad. And so that's kind of interesting you wanted to go to Canada. So good luck with uh, manifesting it. And uh, you might also want to check out, I can't remember which book it is. One of the Neville Goddard books, one of the short ones, talks about how he um, was from Barbados originally. And he was living in New York City. This was in the 1930s. And it was coming up on Christmas. And he really wanted to be able to go home. But he didn't have the money for a steamship check, ticket. And he ran into a person who recommended to him that he just do basically the process we're discussing here. And lo and behold, out of nowhere, he got a letter. I, I think it was actually a telegram. It was a telegram or a letter. I don't remember which. Um, from his brother at home saying, we want you home for Christmas. Um, so we're uh, sending you uh, either a ticket or, or the money for a steamship ticket so you can sail home for Christmas. And he had not been in communication with his family. He had just been working on putting out there, I want, I want to be able to go home for Christmas and visualizing what it was like being on, Bar on Barbados um, during the Christmas holiday, the island that he loved, the island that he grew up on. So, you know, it's the same basic concept, except you're going in the opposite direction. But other than that, it's the same thing. <laughs> uh, let's see. Lynn says, let me mark this. Good morning, Lynn. I'm trying to manifest being a children's book author. But I'm, I get negative feedback from others who say, oh, it's too hard or it takes a lifetime. How do I get past this and manifest quicker and stay positive? Good question. Really good question. Let me mark both of those as likes. That's really good. And Kendi, hello. I see your, your uh, lovely smiling uh, face there with the hearts in it. Thank you very much. Um, first thing I would recommend, Lynn, is have you tried writing anything for children yet? If you have, then you know what that's like. And I would say, go ahead and write your book. Don't worry about the audience yet. Um, the best example I can think of to reinforce how important this is, is, and, well, let me, let me actually expand on that a little bit further before I tell you why I think it's important. Um, if you have a true passion to write a children's book or children's books, then your passion is going to be what carries you through because your passion is how you put out to the universe. This is what I love. This is what I get thrilled about. This is what I get excited about. And when you fulfill the passion, just by living the passion without any expectation, you, this is the thing you don't want. You don't want expectations about getting picked up and being published. You don't want expectations about being a multiple a million copy bestseller. You don't want to have, you don't want to build any of that because all of that leads to attachments and more precisely, it leads to a feeling of lack because you don't have that right now, right? I mean, you haven't written the book. It hasn't been picked up by a major publisher. It hasn't sold millions of copies. You don't have this huge following of kids reading your book all around the world. So therefore, any attempt that you have to try to say, well, how is that all going to happen? is going to turn into a feeling of lack and all you're going to put out there is the lack, which is not what you want to do, obviously. So instead of putting out the lack, just focus on what you love doing. What you love doing is writing the book. And there's a perfect example that I'm, I know you're thinking of. I, I know you've thought of it if you're not thinking about it. And that is J.K. Rowling. When J.K., when Joe wrote her first Harry Potter book, she had a whole series of them all mapped out in her head. She knew exactly how they were going to go. They were tied to a passion of hers that had been a passion since she was a kid when she and her friends used to play warlocks and wizards and witches. And this this was just like a, a constant thing. She just had to write this. This was just really important to her to write it. And so she wrote it despite the fact that she was essentially a welfare mom. She was living on, on state support. Um, she was a single mom. She was trying to do to, to take care of her daughter with no help at all. Um, basically living in poverty, writing by going to the local uh, cafe where she could, you know, get a little free internet access. Uh, well, actually, at that point, it wasn't even internet access. It was just free space to write with her her uh, laptop computer or her notepad. I'm not even sure which she was using. 
and just write. She just wrote and wrote. And, and she would write every single moment that she had free when she wasn't taking care of her daughter or, or doing other things that she had to do to survive. And she did it with no expectation whatsoever. She had no idea how it was going to get published. She had no idea whether even anybody would read the darn thing. All she knew was that she had to write it. And she did. And she wrote the first book, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, uh, which was uh, translated in the U.S. to Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, but same idea. And that book, got she submitted it to, she went to, I think it was a book fair that came to the U.K., and she submitted it to a whole bunch of uh, publishers at the book fair, and they all turned it down. None of them would take it. They, they, they said, there's no market for this. There is no market for it. She would never have even gotten that far, though, if she had listened to what other people said and, and simply not simply sat down and just written her book because she needed to write her book. So, you know, th there's a lesson in there. You don't write the book in order to sell copies of it. You don't write the book in order to um, impress the world. You don't write the book in order to make a living off of it. You don't write the book in order to get it published by a major publisher. You write the book because you need to write the book. It's like why I do this podcast. I don't do this podcast. I mean, yes, I do want to get to the point where I'm earning a living off of it, but I'm not. Right now, I'm not earning a living off of it. I do this, you know, free. And I love the idea of getting to the point where I'm going to live, earn a living off of it. And I think that that point is going to come. I don't know when, but I think it's going to come. But it's not why I do the podcast. I do the podcast because I love doing it, because I have a passion for doing it, because I have a passion for helping other people with the thing that I've struggled with the most, law of attraction, how to be a deliberate creator, and perhaps sharing some of the ideas that I've learned along the way and bringing in some really good life coaches to help you know, spread the message and so forth. And, and I, I've enjoyed doing that. And I will continue to do it just because I love doing it. And that's my focus. If I switch my focus, which I've done many, many times, if I switch my focus to, geez, i got to find a way to earn a living off of this, I am instantly putting out resistance. And then I have to remind myself, oh, geez, I'm putting out that resistance again. <laughs> but when I can get myself back into, yeah, but I just love doing the podcast. And when I can get back into that mindset, then I'm putting out the right vibe again. That's what you got to do. You got to put out that vibe just by doing the thing you love. So write the book. And, you know, maybe you will get picked up by Scholastic Books and, and published. And all of a sudden your book will become the next Harry Potter. You never know. But even if it doesn't, it doesn't matter. The point is you wrote your book. Write your book. What are you waiting for? <laughs> so that's how I, what I think you should be doing, Lynn. Uh, let's see. Hey, yes, yeah, yep, you have thought of J.K. Rowling. And you've written many books? Good, good, good for you. Keep writing those books. and They're quirky and silly. Good. I love to write. It's my happy place. I go into a dream state and lose track of time. Keep going with that. And by the way, you don't have to just stop with the writing of the book. You can share your love without having a publisher's contract. You can reach out to people you know. You can reach out through social media, you know, share your books. Even if people aren't paying money for them, share them. Let people get excited with you about them, right? We, we live in an emotional universe. We live in a universe of, of whatever emotions we focus on predominantly tend to produce more stuff that fuel those same kinds of emotions in us. Well, keep putting it out there, not just publishing them. Don't, don't just publish them and, you know, put them in, on the shelf or something like that. Find ways to, you know, do readings at the local library or, or, you know, set up a meetup group or whatever, share your stuff, share your stuff. There, there are probably Facebook groups on, on children's books, share them with other people in the children's books groups. Um, that, you know, tell your stories wherever you can tell them. You know, give away a, 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 a segment of a small story, you know, as a and as an incentive to, to see more of, of what your stuff is. Just keep putting it out there and getting it into as many people's hands as possible. Because if your stuff does resonate with people, they will respond to it. And over time, it will turn into what you want it to turn into. The thing to avoid is make sure that you're not uh, allowing yourself to get into the resistant mode. Because that's where... We all get into, we're really, really good at being resistant, right? I mean, you know how that is, right? We, we get into these places of wondering, how am I going to make a living? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? It's what um, Mike Dooley calls the horrible hows, and they are horrible. 
because they lead us right down that road to lack, right down that road to resistance, right down that road to feeling miserable because our dream hasn't come true yet. That's what you want to avoid. And the best way to avoid that is to take advantage of the fact that we can only focus on one thought and one emotion at a time. So the moment that you're focusing on something that isn't good, switch it to something that is good. It's really that simple. It's not necessarily easy. It takes practice to do, but it's very simple. Oh, good. She says, my friends and family are saying they want them. There you go. See, you're off to a good start. By the way, I don't know if you've considered self-publishing, but you might try at least self-publishing one or two of them just to have a way to your for your friends and family to buy copies of them. Um, the, the one that I used is uh, Amazon Kindle has a self-publishing process that you can use for both Kindle eBooks and regular paperback books too. Um, let's see. I think the, I, I can't remember. I think the uh, URL is kindle.amazon.com. Um, but just do a search on Amazon Kindle self-publishing and you'll be able to find it. It doesn't cost you anything at all to self-publish. Um, you get a really nice uh, professional looking book by the time you're done. They actually have some nice built-in templates so that you don't even have to do most of it. Um, you'll have to do some formatting yourself through like, you know, Microsoft Word or a, uh, an open office type uh, word processor or something like that. But uh, you know, it takes some work to do. But on the other hand, you've already got the manuscripts written. Why not take one of them and self-publish them and you know see if you can get some interest in, from family and friends. Maybe start building up a readership that way. In fact, here's a story for you that might be helpful. There's a woman who, I can't remember her name. I can't even remember what the name of her series was. But she wanted to write a series of mystery books. I think they were mystery books. Pretty sure they were mysteries. Um, they were either mysteries or they were horror books, which are often similar in my view. But anyway, <laughs> she wanted to write a series of these books, and she wanted to develop a readership. And so what she did was she wrote her first book, and she published it on Amazon for a ridiculously low price of, like I think it was like 99 cents or something like that. Or, or maybe even less. It was the lowest price that she could possibly offer the book for. And the thing that was really interesting is that the books were badly written. I, I, I read, like, samples from them. And, I mean, they, they, they had been nowhere near a proofreader. <laughs> they were really, really badly edited, just not very good. But they had enough of a story to them that she developed a following. And then she started putting out a series of these books, offering them at the, the lowest price she could possibly offer them just to get people to try to read them. And ultimately got this huge following of tens of thousands of people buying her books. Did her writing improve? Absolutely not. It didn't improve at all. It was really bad. But nevertheless, because people liked the, the, the meat of her stories, she, she was able to develop a following that way. So I'm not saying that's necessarily the route you should take. I'm just saying she followed a dream and she pursued, pursued her dream with passion rather than worrying about how it was all going to work. She said, well, I'll just put it out there and see if I can get people to buy it. And they did. So, you know. Try it. Try try uh, an approach similar to that. That might work for you. Okay. Oh, she said she's also going to write it for her grandchildren someday. Yeah, that's good. All right. You're welcome. I hope that was helpful to you. Um, we got quite a few people tuning in. I, I, I again, have to apologize because um, Louie had to beg out of today's podcast because he's got an illness in the family. So we are not going to be talking about the Jinshin Jitsu um, examples today. We're going to do that next week instead. Um, but instead, we've kind of turned this into an open forum and we're inviting people to, uh, or I'm inviting people to just, you know, ask your questions or post your stuff and I'll try to address things. I, I just can't promise to address anything about Jinshin Jitsu because it's not my topic yet. I don't know it yet. I will learn it, but I don't know it yet. So, oh, we got Paula here. Paula has got a rather lengthy one. She says, what do you do when you become poorly? I had an asthma attack yesterday and in an asthma flare-up now, I am only saying it now because I am asking you, as I know you shouldn't declare things like this, and also it's focusing on what you don't want. I have played health affirmations on YouTube and said affirmations into my water as I'm drinking it. What do you do, please? Okay, well, first of all, don't be afraid about you know putting out there that you have a problem, because that's the rocket of, of desire part. That That's the part where you're saying, okay, I've got this thing that is uncomfortable for me, that I want to change. That there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually okay. We want to kind of we, we don't want to get into this place where we say, oh geez, we can never say anything negative. Because then you can't put out rockets of desire. Rockets of desire are born in negativity. You know, we run into something that we don't like and we say, well I don't like that. I want it something else instead. 
And so the rocket of desire becomes the opportunity to change, to pivot, if you will, from, okay, here's this thing I really don't like. I want to flip that over to, well, here's what I would like instead. Here's like the flip side of it. This is what I want instead of this thing that I don't want. So, you know, focusing on the negativity is fine because that's how we, we do that kind of thing. What you don't want to do is stay in negativity. That's the mistake we tend to make. And, and we all do it. It's things like, okay, um, you have an asthma attack. And by the way, uh, I, my first reaction is breathe and do some meditation and, and just stay calm because um, in an asthma attack, you're, you're feeling, you know, tense inside and choked up. Now, use your inhaler. Do the things that you know um, that will physically relieve your symptoms. And then, you know, try to get into a, a calmer state. And that's what, we'll, what we're trying to help you do right now. Um, but even more importantly, it's okay to have expressed the fact that you had an asthma attack. That's fine. What you want to do is now turn it into what you want instead. So what do you want instead? Well, I imagine you want to breathe easily. You want to breathe comfortably. You, you want to come effortlessly. You don't want to have to struggle for the breath. So let's start imagining that. In fact, um, as uh, the, the attack starts to ease a little bit, kind of milk it a little bit. Do, uh, do some basic meditation approach. Like in meditating, we're trying to focus on our breathing, right? That's a basic part of meditation. Well, let's do full breaths in and a full breath out and focus on trying to do full breaths as much as you can. Now, it, you'll find perhaps that because of the asthma that you can't always do that with every breath. Don't worry about it. That's no different from somebody who is trying to meditate and finds that their mind is wandering all the time. That's part of what meditating is. It's noticing that your mind is wandering and then bringing it back to where it is you want to focus, which is usually on the breathing or on something very simple. So as you find that the asthma is pulling you the other way, say, nope, we're not going that way. I'm going to try to take a deep breath with my next breath, and I'm going to try to exhale, exhale it slowly. And if I don't succeed with that one, then fine. I will try to do it with the next breath. The next breath is going to be my full deep breath, and I'm going to relax as I fully, deeply breathe it out again. That's what you're trying to go for. You're trying to get to the point where your mindset is about relaxed, full, deep breaths, because that's what you want. It's The, the reason we end up uh, with mental, or, uh, mental attachments to things that we don't like, especially physical things we don't like, like, for instance, an asthma attack, is very understandably, we're focusing on the fact that we're having trouble breathing. That That's what's going on. And it's the hardest thing to to shift your mind away from when you're in the middle of it. I mean, God, yes. I mean, I know what that's anybody who's been, who's dealt with a chronic pain of some kind. And I was uh, relating that story on the podcast last spring with uh, some ligament issues I had in my knees. When you're dealing with a chronic pain, I mean, all you can do is focus on that pain. And yet I learned in that experience that it's a great opportunity to focus, to practice focusing my attention on what I want instead and to, to kind of deliberately pull myself there. You know, so every time that my mind was saying, oh, my, my knee hurts, my knee hurts, I would be saying, my other knee doesn't hurt. I'm going to focus on that knee, and I'm going to pretend that that knee is how my other knee feels. And I would pull it off for a half a second. And then my attention would be snapped right back to the painful knee. And it's like, nope, I'm going to try one more time. And I had to really put some you know, real deliberate attention on it. And then I was able to get up to a second, and two seconds, and three seconds. And for those periods of time, the pain actually went away in the other knee because you can only focus on one thing at a time. Well, you can do the same thing with asthma. You don't have to uh, be constantly caught up in the, in the inability to breathe. Well, first of all, you have your inhaler and you have your other physical methods for relie relieving it. But secondly, you can focus even in the midst of it on, you know what, I'm determined to take relaxed, deep breaths. Just, ah, oh, I am determined. I can do this. I can do this. I can focus on this. And if you continue to focus on it, you will. You, you, you will be able to do it to the degree that you continue to do it. As strange as that sounds, you really can. You can focus on um, bringing your mind back over and over and over and over again to relaxed breathing, to just relaxed breathing. And feeling so good as you're taking the air in and breathing it out. You can do that. You can focus on that. So focus on that. And keep, you know, keep working on that. And I think if you do that over time, now you might also, this is going to be good for the Jin Jitsu to, to come in. Um, so I would t definitely tune in next week, uh, next week's podcast because Louie will be able to tell you more about this. But there's also books you can buy on it. 
um, on the topic or even find it in your local library. Just do a search on Jinjitsu either at Amazon or your library or you know, Borders or Barnes & Noble or whatever, and you'll find books on the topic um, by uh, the Burmaster family. Um, Mary was the one who brought it over from Japan. Her daughter, Alice, um, wrote a book later on, a few books actually later on, based on her mother's work. And, uh, you know, you, you can find all kinds of information there. Um, but unfortunately, I can't tell you a whole lot more about that because I don't know that, that stuff yet. So that's the best I, advice I have for you. And if anybody else has advice, you know, please feel free to share um, in the chat. And you're welcome. Yes, you're, you're welcome very much. I'm going to like everybody here doing that. Uh, so let's see, where are we at? Well, we're about uh, halfway through a show, a little bit after that. Um, once again, Louis was not able to make it to today's podcast, so I'm just trying to fill in with a general Q&A and addressing whatever topics you want to bring up. And I'll, I'll give you, based on what information and what uh, experience I have on the subject, I'll, I'll share my ideas about it. And I'd also welcome anybody who wants to come on and just talk with me directly. I mean, if you really are, are up for a chat, uh, in the description for this podcast, you will find a link to the Blue Jeans platform, which is what we use when we're doing the podcasts to talk to each other, um, what my co-hosts and I use. You know, feel free to, to connect in and, uh, you know, I'll bring you on and we can uh, have a chat. But if uh, you're not up for that, just leave questions in the, uh, um, the, the comments section of the post and I'll try to address those like I've been trying to do here. And hopefully, I, I think I've been able to be somewhat helpful to people who have been posting. From their responses, it looks like I have been, so that's good. I try to do the best that I can. Um, I also want to check. Let's see. Lena's saying, can you spell it? Um, not sure what you mean by spell it. Spell what? What is it that, that you're asking me to spell? You'll have to, to tell me what you mean there because I'm not quite sure what you mean by spell it. watch for that one um oh something else i wanted to comment on and normally we don't do politics um but I, I wanted to make a commentary on politics not on any particular side of the political divide especially here in the u.s or anything like that but just something that i've been noticing more and more and i i just wanted to oh hi nasha how you doing i just wanted to um uh, just share a perspective that might be helpful to people who are uh, feeling frustrated or angry or upset by what's going on politically, either here in the U.S. or in other countries around the world. Um, I've noticed, particularly here in the U.S., particularly when I go into groups uh, on Facebook that are about one or the other side of the, the great divide, right versus left, and the same pattern holds up every single time, and that is... The people who are devoutly on the left or devoutly on the right, who are the most, you know, strong-minded and and devoted and persistent and uh, committed activists, all have the same thing going on. And that one thing that they all have going on is that they are bitterly angry. The anger level here in the U.S. especially is really, really high. And the only comment I want to make about that is I don't think these people on either the left or the right realize that they are attracting more anger. They're attracting more hatred. They're, they're attracting more frustration because that's all they focus on. And I'll give you an example to show um, why I thought that. I, mean, I did a little test in both of those cases. I, I won't even mention what the groups were. But I, I went into these groups. I got accepted into these groups. And I went in and I just posed a question. And the question I posed had to do with President Trump. Depending on which kind of group it was, I, I pressed the question one way or the other way. But it all amounted to one thing. Do you think that there's a funny side, I asked, to the situation with the president? If it was to a right-wing group, I, I said, do you think there's a funny side where the president is concerned um, and where the, the, uh, the opposition, the left, the left wing, the liberals are concerned? And if it was to a, a left-wing group, I said, do you think that there's something funny, that, that, that there's a funny side to all the stuff that Donald Trump puts, puts out, even the stuff that you don't like? And to a person, every single person in both of those groups said, absolutely not. There is nothing funny about this situation at all. And I found that to be a really interesting response, because what they're basically saying is there is no joy in any of this. There is no joy to be had. All there is to be had is anger and fear and frustration and disappointment and just all the negative emotions you could possibly have all attached to politics. Well, as law of attraction deliberate creators, we know 
you keep putting that out there, the only thing you can ever get back is more like that. So that's my thought for the day where politics is concerned. I, I, if you were looking for me to take a political stance, sorry, not going to do that. I just wanted to share, if you have an, an interest in politics and you're paying attention to politics, you might want to keep in mind, focus on what you want, not on what you don't want. And I say that with, uh, I do have actually a little bit of a, a authority in that field because my certification is I have a degree in political science. So I actually spent a lot of time studying that nonsense. Why did I do that? That's another question entirely. I couldn't even give you a good answer on it. I thought I was going to be a lawyer at the time. And I said, no, I'm not going to be a lawyer after all. But um, I did learn a lot about the political process, both in school and afterward. And uh, I can tell you, it, it's not worth all the angst because all you do is get more angst. So if you find yourself, you know, entranced by what's going on with, you know, the recent elections or the Russia investigation or, you know, whatever else, relax, take a breath. Don't get, don't, don't make yourself into an asthmatic, right? You know, take a breath, relax, calm down and focus on what you want instead. Focusing on what, what, what you want instead actually is the best antidote to politics when it really comes down to it. Uh, let's see. So what's going on? Oh, God, a lot of nice comments here. Let's see. The name of the book you were just speaking of. Oh, the uh, the book about uh, Jinsen Jitsu. What is the name of that book? Hang on. I can get that for you. I actually made a copy of it from my local library, and I can go look up the name. It's like, I can't remember where it is off the top of my head, but I can find that for you. So give me just a moment. It is called... Uh, where is it? The Touch of Healing, Energizing Body, Mind, and Spirit with the Art of Jin Shinjutsu by Alice Burmeister with Tom Monty Ford by Mary Burmeister. So I don't have an Amazon link, but let, let me see if I can find an Amazon link here. Hang on. I'll look that up while we're doing this. Yeah, there it is. So I will put this uh, Amazon link into the chat. So there's a link to the book. And hopefully that will help you, Lynn. And Paula says, yeah, the healing practice, right? Nasha, she says she's doing very well. How am I doing? I'm doing well, Nasha. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Likes there. And healing practice. Anita's here. Hello, Anita. How are you? Shelly says she loves my political view. Okay, so what are hers? Oh, okay. That's great. <laughs> uh, now she says, oh, I'm suffering from severe depression. I had really, I feel really stuck in my body. How do I fix my life with my thoughts? Okay. And then like getting the book, so that's good. First things first, Nasha. You're not stuck in your body. Your body is great. Your body is a wonderful place. You know, you might want to change the way you're, you're focusing on that. Your body is actually really good. I mean, can you imagine living without your body? Louis D'Souza, who obviously couldn't be with us um, for this morning's podcast, likes to point out that there are a number of basic things that we do that our bodies do that are essential to our life. The most important one is breathing. We were talking about breathing a few minutes ago. Um, because of Paula's uh, difficulty with asthma. Breathing is essential. I mean, if you went without breathing for, you know, more than a few minutes, you die, right? It's, it's really that critically important. So how about being appreciative of the fact that you can breathe? Um, and then beyond that, you have eating and drinking, right? If you don't eat food for, I don't know what the exact uh, time period is, you know, a few weeks, you'll basically waste away and die. If you don't have enough water in like, I think it's seven days or something like that, you, you, again, you'll die. So it, it's essential. Um, and all of those things are ways of feeding your body because with your body, you are alive. Your body is how you are participating in this wonderful existence we call the physical real world. So, you know, don't think that you're trapped in your body. You're not trapped in your body. Your body is actually a wonderful adventure. You are part of an adventure here. Um, now, maybe you have physical ailments going on. I don't know what's going on physically with you, but whatever is going on, appreciate your body. Appreciate the fact that you have this life that you can live. And 
even if you have limits going on, don't worry about the limits. Look at the part to appreciate. There's a whole lot to appreciate. Some people wonder, well, what can I be grateful for? What can I appreciate? I, there's nothing to be grateful for. Well, there is. I mean, first of all, you can breathe, first of all. Second of all, you have food. I presume you have some food on the table. You have water you can drink. You have stuff you can consume to keep yourself going. Uh, I presume you have clothing on your back, so you have clothing. I presume you have a place to stay. Well, that means you've got, you've got a lot of stuff going on for you. you know. So maybe turn that around a little bit and ask, well, what's good about having my body? What's good about being in my body? Um, now, I suspect there's probably more to the, this thing about uh, being in your body. I don't know what specifically it is for you. In many cases, it's, uh, well, I don't feel good about the way I look, or I don't feel attractive to the opposite sex, or even to the same sex, depending on your orientation. You know, it might be something along that line. But you want to start with feeling good about your body, because the better you feel about your body, the better your life experience is going to be with your body. So give you, you know, cut yourself a, a little slack, because your body's a pretty good thing. Thank goodness we had them, right? We wouldn't be here without them, right? So um, if you want to tell me a little bit more about uh, what your specific situation is, I'll be happy to address that more more specifically. Um, let's see. Oh, you said, should I say I feel better seeing you? Let's see. I'm in a very painful feeling, and my atmosphere is too toxic, and I put on so much weight because of antidepressants. Yes, I have a place. I feel very stuck in this house. Exactly. I I do, do. I think she means I do want to feel beautiful and good. Okay. All right. Well, um, one of the things I would recommend is go to our website, LOAToday.net, and look through the, uh, you'll, have, you'll have to click to the home page from that first splash page that shows up because the splash page is for people who want to subscribe to the podcast. But if you click through to the home page, over on the right you'll see um, a bunch of um, categories of the various uh, kinds of shows we've done. Look at all of the shows under Wendy Dillard. Wendy was a co-host of mine for about 10 months from November through September, November of last year through September of this year. And she has also had uh, weight problems over the years and throughout her entire life, actually. And uh, look for the episodes we did on Project Body. She has some really interesting ideas on how to address weight loss and, and weight, um, weight issues. Um, look particularly toward the later episodes, the ones that came out later on, because they have some of her best insights in there. And what she is doing right now, she isn't actually doing weight loss per se. She's she's changed the way she's thought about her body. And in the process, she's found that she's losing weight and she's losing weight in ways that are surprising her because in the past, it never would have happened for her. Now, has she gotten down to that trim and slim and thin place yet? Not yet, but she's on the way. And that's really the most important thing. She's making progress in the right direction and she's doing it effortlessly, which is really, really cool. So that's the first thing I would do. I would recommend uh, checking out the podcast that she and I did together particularly those that were marked in some way as being uh, a report on her project body uh, project that she was doing. Second thing I'd recommend is it's often hard when you're in a toxic environment, uh, a home environment to, uh, to shift things. You're, 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 you're basically in the middle of a really difficult situation that you, you it's just in your face every day and you, and you just can't get away from it. So that's that's tough. That's no doubt about it. That is a really tough place to be. It is not, however, a hopeless place. And I think that's probably the first step is to understand as difficult as it can be to be in a place like that, you really still do have power and influence over your own thought process and, more importantly, over what you're going to focus on and what you're going to pay attention to. Um, you're, you're basically, when you're in a toxic home environment, you're basically in the middle of a crucible, right? You're in the middle of, it's like being uh, out of the frying pan into the fire. And, and you're in the midst of the fire. And, and it's just a constant emergency in that sense. But it's also an opportunity to see, can you, even in the midst of all that chaos going on, even in the midst of all that toxicity going on, can you still manage to focus your attention anyway on what it is that you really want? Is that easy? Hell no, it's not easy. <laughs> but 
it can be done. You can do it. And there are a lot of ways you can do it. Few ideas that, I, without knowing the specifics of your situation, here are just a few ideas to kick around. One is there's a game that um, my wife used to play with her clients. My wife was a psychotherapist for 10 years. Uh, she has a, a degree, a master's degree in marriage and family therapy. And uh, she did therapy for about 10 years for people and left that industry. But while she was in that industry, you know, she helped a lot of people very successfully. One of the tools that she would use is um, like with most therapy type situations, there was a room and there was like a couch and a chair and so forth. You know, so everything was very comfortable or pillows and things like that. And she would take one of the pillows off the couch and gently toss it to her client. And her client would catch it. And she said, now throw it back. And so the client would throw it back. She'd catch it. And she says, okay, do it again. Toss the pillow to her. The client would catch the pillow. Okay, now throw it back. The client would throw it back. And this time, Louise wouldn't catch it. She'd let it fall to the floor. What was her purpose in doing that? It was to point out that the game of tossing the pillow only lasts as long as she's willing to engage in it. The moment that she decided to stop engaging in the game of tossing the pillow, the game ended. The same thing is true about toxic interactions. If you're interacting with somebody and you don't like the toxicity of what they're doing, stop engaging. Turn your attention to something else. Leave the room. Focus on, you know, change the topic of conversation. Do anything else. And you know what? They're going to continue to try to throw the pillow at you. But if you insist on simply not catching the pillow and letting the pillow fall to the floor every single time, eventually they're going to give up. And that's going to change the dynamic because you're not engaging anymore. You're not participating in their deliberate attempts to be toxic. Is that easy? No, it's not easy. But it's simple. It's simple. All you do is you drop the pillow. You just let the pillow drop to the floor. And you walk away. And you turn away. And you change the subject to anything else with anybody else you can change the subject to. Or you go in the other room, or you read, or, or you do something. You, you do anything other than engage in that conversation. Will that resolve all of your toxic issues? No, not by itself. But it will change the dynamic. And that's what you're really trying to do. You're trying to change the dynamic, not so much for their purposes, not for their sake, but for your own. You want to change your thought process so that you're not focused on that stuff anymore. Because if you... If you can change your thought process, if you can divert your attention away from all that toxicity and focus on what you want instead, your life will start to change. And it will change in ways that will surprise you. I can't tell you exactly how it's going to change because it's going to be different in every single person's case. But I can tell you, when you change your dynamic, when you change the way you interact, even with the most terrible uh, toxic type situation, then your dynamic in that situation will change and their dynamic will change. And by the way, if by toxic you mean abusive, if you mean that you know people are being physically abusive or emotionally or sexually abusive or whatever, consider getting out of that environment. Uh, don't stay there. It's not like you have to stay there. Definitely you do not want to stay in a place where you, your person is at risk. You want, if, if you are at risk, get out of there. There are... In almost every country, every Western country for sure, and most countries around the world, there are phone lines you can call, there are shelters, there are ways to get away from those kinds of really, really dangerous situations. And if you're in one of those, you definitely want to get away from those situations physically. You want to physically remove yourself from them. And then you can do what I was talking about, working on changing your perspective, not engaging in toxic exchanges and saying, you know what, I just, I'm not going to engage in that. I'm going to change my attention to something else. So, I mean, if you are physically at risk, get yourself out of that situation of being physically at risk. Move someplace else, go ask for help, call a helpline, you know, take whatever local step you need in order to get out of that physically at risk situation. Um, if what you're talking about is emotionally, uh, emotionally attacked or whatever, and you're not ready to leave physically the place that you're in, then simply stop catching the pillow. Change the subject. Don't address. Don't engage. Don't Because every time that you buy into their energy level, you're reinforcing their energy. And that's what you don't want to do. So hopefully that's helpful to you. Um, let's see what else. Oh, yes. I hear all the time that you're ugly. 
Well, that's that's another that's another aspect of playing the pillow game, isn't it? Because every time that someone tells you you're ugly, you're buying into it. So you need to change the subject. And you might also do what I was recommending earlier to, I can't remember who it was. I was recommending mirror exercises. Mirror exercises are a great way to improve your own self-esteem. Because whether or not somebody says you're ugly is irrelevant unless you buy into it. And yet that's what we tend to do, isn't it? If somebody tells us we're ugly, oh, it hurts. It hurts deep inside. It feels bad. Well, yeah, very understandable. It feels bad. But here's the thing. If your self-esteem is high, first of all, the hurt doesn't last very long. It goes away really quick. And second of all, it's much easier to regain perspective or to gain perspective that says, you know what? That's just what that person thinks. I'm actually a beautiful person inside. But it's really hard to reach that perspective if your self-esteem is low. So that's why I recommend the mirror exercises. Mirror exercises are all about building up your self-esteem and loving yourself. Funny thing is, if you the more that we love ourselves, the more others love us. The less that we love ourselves, the less that others love us. It's law of attraction, right? You know, what you put out there is what you get back. Well, it's also what you put in there. I mean, source energy isn't just out there. It's it's inside. It's in here too. And and so the attention that we're putting inside, if that intention is I am ugly, I am unworthy, I am not a, a good person, then we believe it. And as we believe it, we manifest more of it. But if you start deliberately changing that by doing mirror exercises, and you can find the link, I, I'm pretty sure I put the, the link toward the beginning of this chat. If you can focus on doing the mirror exercises for the purpose of getting yourself to feel better about yourself, you're going to find that, first of all, you won't get as many of those comments anymore. Second of all, you'll find yourself doing things like smiling more and being a happier person. And in doing that, you're going to start to get comments the other way around. It may not happen immediately, but it will eventually happen. Because truly, beauty comes from within. Beauty is not outside. In fact, anyone who evalu evaluates us purely on physical beauty is not somebody we want in our lives anyway. And I don't care what you look like. I don't care whether you're you know, terribly overweight and ugly, if you think that you're ugly, or gorgeous. I mean, I have a niece who could pass as a Barbie doll. And she'll tell you. It is not fun for her to be evaluated as a Barbie doll. She doesn't like that at all. She dislikes it intensely. Now, that sounds pretty crazy, perhaps, to somebody who doesn't look like a Barbie doll. But let me tell you, it is miserable to be evaluated that way because that means she's the message she feels like she's getting is, I'm not loved for who I am. I'm loved for what I look like. I'm not loved for who I am. I'm loved for what, who I look like. So she has to do the same thing that you have to do. She, and she has been doing this, she has to build up her own self-esteem. She has to feel better about herself. And the more that she feels better about herself, the more beautiful she becomes. And the more you feel better about yourself, the more beautiful you become. I often say to, to people, women in particular, because women often have these body issues, you want, you want to know what the best secret is for looking more beautiful? Smile. The more often that you smile and express who you are inside to others, the more that you engage with people and, and, and engage with them in a way that expresses a feeling of joy and happiness, the more beautiful you become. The more good-looking you become. People who are outgoing and happy are always better-looking. Now, are they really better-looking? I don't really think so. I think it's that people are seeing the inner being come out. And when you see that inner being come out, you just are more beautiful. And it's also true internally to yourself. When you allow it out, you feel more beautiful inside. So change your message. Instead of saying, you know, all these people think I'm ugly, how about saying, I think I'm beautiful? And if you have trouble getting your head around that, then focus on the mirror work. Focus on the mirror exercises where you tell yourself all the good things that you're doing every day. And you're giving yourself all these positive strokes every day. Do that for 30 days, your entire outlook is going to be different. You're going to find yourself in a better feeling place. So, you know, don't fall into their trap. That's a trap that they're setting for you, saying, oh, you're so ugly. Don't fall into that one. You have the total control. You have the power. It's completely up to you. You just have to decide to not catch their pillow. And I hope that helps you. Oh, wait a minute. let's see. It is helpful to you. Good. 
Uh, said anyone in Pakistan would take bullets to come out clean on the other side. Trust me, so many would take to leave this messy place. Yeah, I can understand that. Yes, I want to really want to write my life story and making a shelter home in my country for people like me. Good ambition. That's good. 40 years of my life, sick of hearing this since I was a kid. My self-esteem is very low. All the more reason to do the mirror exercises. I'm telling you, if you do those mirror exercises privately, off where you can do it by yourself, you can do it with your phone. I mean, a phone can actually work as a mirror exercise. If you got a, you got a smartphone of, of some kind, which most people have when they're using Facebook, use the fact that you can take a selfie. Just don't take the selfie. Use the camera as your mirror so you can talk into your phone. It's not being recorded anywhere. It's just, you know, it's the camera. You're just talking to the camera. Talk to the camera so you can see yourself. It's a great way to do a mirror exercise, even if you don't have a mirror handy. Just use your cell phone. Um, but do them every day because those mirror exercises, if you do them faithfully every single day, I'm telling you, after 30 days, you're going to feel a lot different. And you're going to find uh, ideas and opportunities opening to you that seemed impossible to you, that seem impossible to you right now. But just by doing that for 30 days, you will find new uh, insights, new ideas, new new stuff coming to you, and you will make yourself that much closer to being able to leave and go where you want to go and live the kind of life you want to live. So do the mirror exercises. They really do work. And let's see. Cora says, do you think it's okay to just be happy with the life you have as it is now, or should we be looking for new experiences all the time? Interesting question, Cora. I guess my reaction is, what makes you think that they're mutually exclusive? Why can't you do both? I mean, can't you all be happy with what you have and be looking for new experiences? I think you can. I mean, just because I'm happy now doesn't mean I have to, like, that. that's the end of my life. You know, I, I can have as many new experiences as, as I want to, and I can do it happily. I can do both. Why not do both? Let's see. Nasha says, thank you. You're welcome, Nasha. Oops. Oh, I just got rid of the page. Come back here. <laughs> Nasha says she has too many mirrors around her room. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> but the main thing is to do it where it's private, where no one can hear you, where, where you can do it you know, just for yourself so that you don't have any of those other influences. Just do it quietly for yourself. If you have to whisper it, whisper it. That's what I used to do. When I first did my mirror exercises, I didn't say it out loud. I whispered it like this so that nobody else could hear me. Now, who else was in the house? My wife. That was it. You know, why didn't I want my wife to know? I don't know. It's not like my wife was abusive. She's not. But I just wanted it to be private to me. So I whispered it to myself. Um, over time, I actually, I got to the point where I spoke it out loud. But, um, you know, the main thing is do it privately for yourself and do it for yourself. Do it, do it with the explicit knowledge that by doing these mirror exercises, you are doing it to build yourself up, to give yourself that level of self-confidence that you deserve. We all deserve to have that level of self-confidence, that self-esteem, that belief in ourselves, that love of ourselves. We all believe and deserve that. We deserve to have that belief. So give it to you. Give it to yourself. It's a wonderful gift to give. Um, here in America and in, in the Western world, we're, we're coming up on the Christmas holidays, and Christmas is a time of giving. But I also know um, in the Muslim world, there are, and I don't know the holidays, so you have to do this yourself, but there are Muslim holidays that are devoted to giving. Well, take advantage. Give yourself a gift. And you don't even have to wait for the holidays. Give yourself the gift now. Do it right now. Don't wait. Okay. Oh, and she wrote a really nice note. Thank you so much. My heart is praying for you. Oh, how nice. Thank you so much. She's praying for me. I, I thank you so much, Nasha. That's great. And let's see. Peter says, good morning, Walt. What's this mirror exercise and how do you do it? Um, if you can go down through the, uh, the comments toward the beginning of the podcast, Peter, you'll see a link that I put for mirror exercises with Jack Canfield. And if you click that, that'll walk you through it. But in a nutshell, what you're doing is you're talking into a mirror or into a selfie camera and you're talking to yourself. You're looking into your own own eyes and telling yourself all the good things that you did during the the, the, the previous day or that you've done today or um, all the good things that are going on in your life or why you think that you're so lovable or why you think you're so good. You're basically programming yourself by telling you things like telling yourself things like, I think you're wonderful. Now, th th this is the way my mirror exercise often goes. Walt, good morning. I love you. I think you're terrific. I think you're fantastic. And I'm looking right in my own eyes as I'm doing that. 
Um, like right now, as I'm looking at the camera, um, I have a, a video of myself uh, that I'm, I'm looking at in addition to the camera. So I can look at my video and I can, I can say these things to myself. And if I do that every single day, I end up building up my self-esteem because I feel better and better at myself. So th- that's what a mirror exercise is. It's, a, it's an exercise that you do daily to uh, tell yourself all the reasons why you think that you love yourself and that you deserve to feel good and deserve to have a happy life. And in the process, you end up reprogramming your own subconscious mind so that you start believing it. So that's a mirror exercise. <laughs> Nasha says, I believe in all religions and Christmas is the best time of the year. I love Christmas. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm, I'm not uh, a Christian myself, but I love Christmas. I think Christmas is Christmas has transcended Christianity. Uh, there are Christians who would take exception to that, but Christmas is far beyond Christianity. Christmas is just, it's the season of giving. It's just love. So anyway, we've gone a little bit over. I'm a little bit surprised we actually went over an hour, but uh, I have other things I have to get to. But we will we do these uh, podcasts every day, twice a day, um, once in the morning uh, at 8 a.m. New York time and once in the afternoon at 4 p.m. New York time. Um, so obviously you have to translate to whatever your particular time zone is. But we do the Monday through Friday this afternoon. Uh, Patty Framo, who is a life coach, is joining me, and we're going to uh, – she's bringing on a – a friend slash client of hers who is looking for some life coaching. So if you've ever wondered what life coaching is like, um, the sessions that I do with Patty on Monday afternoons are really, really good for just experiencing that because you get to see somebody being coached. And in the process, you can actually pick things up for yourself. Um, that's why I like to say I'm the best uh, coach person in America because I have all these life coaches as co-hosts. And it's true. I mean, just by talking to them and seeing how they interact with others, I pick up lots of stuff along the way. So you can too. So you know, please do uh, tune in. We're, we're live streaming all these events to uh, the group, uh, the Law of Attraction Changed My Life group. And uh, we're also um, putting as many of them as we can on the events calendar. So if you want to know what's coming up, click where it says events uh, within the group and you'll be able to see all the stuff that we have scheduled in advance. And uh, you can even uh, click the, uh, the button that says, yes, I'm coming so that you can get reminders about it. And, uh, oh, also, um, if you're not yet a subscriber to the podcast, please become a subscriber. Uh, it's really easy to do. I put links in the description of this post. So just click on the description for the post, and you'll see the links um, for subscribing with either an Android device or an iPhone or iPad-type device. And then once you're a subscriber, you get all of the podcasts coming directly automatically to your phone every day, so you can just listen to them every single time. Um, and then once you uh, subscribe, Please share the fact, not just here in the group, but outside the group, sharing social media that you're listening to LOAToday.net, because our goal is to be reaching tens of thousands of people with every single episode. That's my, my personal goal. That's, that's what I get excited about. I was talking about vignettes earlier. That's my vignette. Like I just imagine tens of thousands of people listening to the episode and getting so excited about that. So help me uh, achieve my goal just by, by sharing on social media. And uh, so that that will uh, do it for today for this for this morning's podcast. I'll be uh, doing it this afternoon, as I said, with uh, Patty Framo. In the meantime, I wish you a, a happy day. We'll see you next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Mm-hmm.